Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. As we are continuing in experiencing God's normal, it's really a, a focus on uh, what it takes, you know, discipline-wise, you know, what, what are the principles that it, that it takes for us to begin to walk in the confidence and assurance of God's uh, promises, His view of things, His power, His ability, you know, because that's what faith is. It, it's walking in an assurance of, 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 of things that we don't possess, walking in an assurance of something that God provides and promises. And a lot of times it's hard, you know, I guess I would dare say all of us have had our faith tested at different levels during this time. It's just because it's not a normal um, state of um, existing. And I know for us, it's been, you know, it's just been little things that you want to even know, but this exposed. And it, it's been incredible for me to be looking at scripture and, and putting messages together, but it's really a place from where I realize I'm struggling, just to be honest with you. So Lord, help me with where I'm struggling. And when you find the tension in your life, that, that tension where you know that your demeanor or your disposition, your emotional disposition, your thoughts aren't reflective of those of the spirit. That, that's a place that you could begin to go, all right, Lord, what is it that I'm missing? What is it that I'm lacking? What is it that's causing me to feel this when you promise this? It's a great place to you know, actually do any devotional time is just be honest with where you are. Look at what the scripture says about what you should be feeling if the spirit is truly alive in you. And what you are feeling. And it's a good place to just start to meditate on, on truth and, and to see, you know, what it is that you could begin to do differently. Because often, this is what we all need to understand, that if we're always growing in faith, that means there's always something that we could be doing differently. Like, we could grow in faith for a season, and, because, and we've grown because we've done something different, but we can plateau and become stubborn or not even aware that there's other things in us that need to shift, that need to change. There's other disciplines, there's other principles that we need to apply to our life to grow even more. And that's what this life is about. If you look at Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore... We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily, like look at that word, easily ensnares us. Okay, we, we can all agree that sin is a very easy thing to slip into. And that word covers, it covers everything. Okay, sin is... Missing the mark, missing the mark of God's will, of God's ways. And we could do that mentally, physically. We can do that with what we're doing, you know, to ourselves, how we're thinking, how we're speaking. There's so many areas of sin in our lives. Sometimes it's exposed and we know, and sometimes we don't know. 
Sometimes it's still a sin, and it's a sin of how we think. It's a sin of putting ourselves and our understanding above that of who God is and his promises, and it ensnares us, it traps us, and it keeps us stuck. He's like, let's lay aside that as soon as it's recognized. Let's lay it aside so we can continue to move forward in the growth of our faith, in, in the action of our faith, in, in, the, in the walking through and out of our purpose. And it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I don't know about you, this last four weeks, five weeks, whatever it's been, it's turning more and more into an endurance contest. Amen? It's this week, it was, it just hit going, I can't do this anymore. It was just that feeling of, wow, this is getting old. And and, and the, the, the tendency was, you just kind of want to like, it, it's hard to maintain motivation when nothing is changing. And the Lord really just hit me where I was. And it's like, things are changing. You know, things are changing. Things are uh, going to be different. There's, there's something on the other side that you're being prepared for, all of us. So continue, even in the hard times, the difficult times, the times when you feel stagnant, are fearful, are out of control and uncertain. They, these are the times that sin can ensnare us. And he's like, no, 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 keep moving, keep growing, keep pursuing, keep meditating, keep praying, keep worshiping. You know? and, and it says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's an important line for all of us to absorb. It's often we look to ourselves when it comes to our faith, and I know I just said it is about disciplines, it's about you know what we do, but ultimately all of that is pointless if Jesus isn't at the center because Jesus is the fuel. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is what is within us, and that is what grows, that is what deepens our faith. Our actions simply fan into flame the reality of who we are and the reality of Jesus and his word and the truth and the power of that. So our focus always needs to be, especially in times when we feel ensnared or we're tired and we don't have the strength to endure, we look unto Jesus because he is the beginner, the author of our faith, and he is the finisher of our faith. Like he is up there for every single one of us. We have to understand this, wherever you are in your faith, See, Jesus, his goal is that your faith run its course to completion. That there is a finish to your faith. That there's, a, that there's a way, there's an understanding that God has of what it looks like to have a faith that is full and complete. And ultimately, it's when we are face to face with him in eternity that our faith will totally be completed because now we are face to face. Now we see, now we understand, now we are, we, we are walking and living in the inheritance in inter- of eternal life. But now we have to know that he's still trying to complete your faith. He's still trying to finish it and to grow it and to build it. Everything Jesus is doing is for your good and your good is where your faith is. As your faith grows, so does your goodness. <laughs> As your faith grows, so does your life. So God is always concerned with our faith. 
And see, and our faith is the only thing of true value that we have, of real value that we carry with us into eternity. And watch what Jesus, watch what it says. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So again, he had to endure something that none of us have ever had to endure, nor ever probably will endure. What he endured, we can't really even imagine because it was so horrific. But yet, he endured it, he persevered through it because he saw what was on the other side. And that was relationship restored, relationship with his creation, the ability to dwell within us through the Holy Spirit, the the ability to have direct relationship, to build the faith of his children, to work in their lives so that he would be glorified in all the earth. You see, but it took endurance but he walked perfectly and he was not ensnared. And so, despising the shame and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Jesus is the architect of our faith. Jesus is the architect of our faith, of your faith. He knows where you are and he knows where he wants you. He sees the trajectory. He knows what he is doing. And all things work together for good for those who have been called, right? Meaning, what good? We talk about this. It's God's good. It's Jesus and his glory. It's his glory demonstrated through you and through your life. It's you experiencing the abundant life of Christ as you walk on this earth and the purposes that he has placed in you. See, this is the good because his purpose will always display and reveal his glory. And so all things are working together, we can say this differently, to build your faith. All things are working together so that you can experience more of God's normal, God's truth, God's understanding, God's promises, God's power. All things are working together so that you could actually relinquish more of your life and submit more of your life and gain more of his life. Does that make sense? Okay, good. I'm glad you're telling me. I want to make sure. Okay. Yes. So for our faith to grow, I think what it looks like is a life that walks with the assurance of God in all things. I mean, that's ultimately the goal. Like as our faith grows, a strong faith is reflected in a way that we perceive our situation and our assurance and confidence in who God is never sways. Our confidence yields wisdom. Our confidence yields the fruit of the Spirit in all things. Our confidence means that we don't get ensnared in old sin and old ways of thinking, but that we walk differently. But that's a process. And the architect, Jesus, is working in us to build that faith and to give us opportunity to um, surrender more and more of ourselves. And so I want to um, look at an account, just the beginning of an account, way back in Exodus chapter 14. The uh, Israelites have just been delivered from Egypt. Pharaoh let them go. They've traveled, you know, through the wilderness and came to this place that God, let, God himself led them to this place right in front of the, the Red Sea. There was nowhere to go. They couldn't move forward. And, um, but in that, during that time, Pharaoh's heart hardened again. And he's like, I want them back. 
What have I done? I want them back. Let's go get them. And so now the Israelites find themselves in this place where there's a sea in front of them. There's an army coming up behind them. They're pinned in. Uh, It's a dire situation as far as they're concerned. And this is where we uh, pick up in verse 10. And it says, and when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. Okay. They saw with their physical eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. Can anyone blame them? No. They were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, watch this. Then they said to Moses, watch what fear led to now. Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Then they said, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. But then Moses said to the people, when I watch his reaction, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Stand still, still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. So if we just take this account, these few verses here, these three verses here, what you see is the tale of two first responses. If we're looking to grow in our faith, we have to look at principles. We have to look at different things that we can do when we encounter difficulty, because it's usually in difficulty that our faith can either grow or shrink. How we respond either can allow God in or push him out. And so what we see are two totally different responses. We see the Israelites, they saw and they were afraid, okay? We may experience fear, but if we allow fear to dictate our decisions and our thoughts and what we speak, that's when fear has won and this is what has happened. You see, their fear led to proclamations, that were reflective of uh, zero faith. It was a faithless conclusion. And they had just been delivered miraculously from the Egyptians. But yet, this situation erased all of that. (laughs) And now they were just fearful for their lives and they were certain of their doom. This This is not what was going to happen. And we know that because we can actually read it and understand, but they were living it. But they were afraid. They said, we're going to die. They immediately went to the worst case scenario. We're going to die. That's discouragement. That's hopelessness. You know, fear. See, when we, a first response of fear and panic will often lead to so many different, like, Process is what I'm trying to, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause us to feel so many different things that are not in line with who God is. Does that make sense? See, their fear said, we're going to die. Caused them to, to say, we're going to die. Worst case scenario, discouragement. And then they became, they became bitter too. I told you so. We told you to leave us alone. We told you that this wasn't a good idea. And then they wanted to retreat. 
Part of me like, we would have been better back there. This is ridiculous. Why am I here? Why did I do this? I brought myself to this place. I could have, we could have been just fine back there. And they weren't just fine. They were in bondage. They were slaves. Their life was not better. But yet because they saw this situation and they responded with fear, that la- and, and their response lacked any bit of faith, all it did was just lead to this avalanche of negative, depressing, oppressive thinking. And they vocalized it. So if you're taking notes, write down, what is my first response? What is my first response? Look over your life at very difficult situations and look, what was your first response? And even write it down, what will be my first response? As I find myself needing endurance or finding myself in a place where I'm fearful. Because fear, like I've always said, is faith perverted. It, 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 it takes the faithless conclusion and scenario and it believes it. And then all emotions and all thoughts stem from the negative, from the worst case, which create in us action. Where faith is believing in the unseen, the assurance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, which is God and his promises. And it believes those in the midst of difficulty. And it doesn't assume worst case scenario. It believes in the best case scenario. God himself being with us, leading us, guiding us, protecting us. No matter what the consequence is, we know that it's for good. But yet, here we have the Egyptians wigging out. Just wigging. And come on, y'all, there's an Egyptian army coming. I mean, who knows? I mean, they, were, they, they, they didn't know what was going to happen, but they were certain that they were going to die. I can't imagine how intimidating that was. But yet we have to remember God led them to this place. But look at what now Moses did. Moses saw the same scenario. But he stood on faith. Moses had no idea of the outcome. Moses had no idea how God would show up. Moses didn't know anything except God was good. And he stood on faith. He stood against fear. He held his ground. And he spoke words of truth and confidence, not even knowing what God was going to do. But he held on to the faithfulness of God who called him to be the deliverer or to lead the deliverance. He knew that God's plan was bigger than his understanding. And so he stood on faith. He st- so his first response was to stand on faith without knowing the outcome or how God would show up. So this is where it's difficult for all of us, especially when we're in times of trial and difficulty and we're suffering and we're still holding on to, all right, God, you're good, you're good, you're good, and you're faithful, and you work all things together for good. And I don't know what that looks like, but I know that this difficulty right now is going to lead to my growth and it's going to lead myself, lead me into more life because you promise it. 
And so it's, it's taking the time to slow down and say, what is my first response? How am I going to respond to this immediately? Because how we respond immediately dictates how we uh, respond subsequently. And that is, that's, that's the issue. Often we're digging ourselves out of the pit of despair to get back into a place of faith. But here a principle that Moses is demonstrating is that if we recognize the difficulty, we recognize the challenge, we recognize the trial, we recognize that there, we are, are needing endurance and that we're scared and that so much of us is kind of wanting to retreat and, and get mad and whatever it is, we have to recognize that in a moment and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to stand on faith as hard as this is. I'm going to stand on faith. I'm going to fix my eyes upon you. You're the author. You're the finisher of my faith. You're working actively right now. You are not thwarted by this situation. If anything, you might have allowed parts of this situation so that I can grow in faith, which is more valuable than anything else. And we stand. Because he said, don't be afraid. He's telling everybody, don't be afraid. But yet he has no clue what God's going to do. That's confidence. If anything, you know, he should be saying, yeah, guys, you probably should be scared. I didn't see this coming. I thought we were good. But no, he stood on faith. But yet he was in such a bad situation, God had to come through. Anybody ever been there? You're in such a dire situation, God had to come through. Now that could either be a source for your faith to grow or to dwindle because often when we find ourselves in, in situations that are beyond what we can handle or beyond what our abilities can handle, we focus on the fact that we can't handle it. You see what I mean? It's like the focus is on the little that we offer can't offer a solution. We tend to sink. And this is where they found themselves. The Israelites knew that they couldn't defend themselves, that there was nothing they could do against this army of the Egyptians. But yet Moses took it as an opportunity to say, well, God has to show up or, or we are doomed. And he had faith that he would. Again, first response, first response. Lord, you have to show up. <laughs> and I know you will. I know you will. I mean, it, it's, it, it, you have to speak that. You have to believe that. Because as you know, your brains can go crazy with worst case scenarios. So, how do, what are, what are some things we can do? And I've already kind of mentioned them a little bit, but I'm going to get a little more in detail. How can we face difficult situations in faith? Like, how do we grow in that? What are some practical principles that we can learn from the scriptures, from the word of God, the truth of God, that will help us with our first response? Well, if we go back, it says um, in verse 13, he goes, and Moses said to the people again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He's reiterating. First of all, do not be afraid. So the first thing to recognize is fear. Recognize fear. We've talked about that a little bit. But again, do not be afraid. Fear is mentioned so many times throughout the Bible. I heard 365 times. It's a big deal. It's one of the biggest obstacles and, and snares in our walk of faith is fear. 
Because fear sees. It's produced from what we see and we comprehend it through our ability and our strength and realize we have nothing to offer. Now, therefore, we become um, discouraged because we, we, we can't handle it. There's nothing I can do. And then that whole self-preservation mode starts to take over. And we begin to think the worst, and we want to retreat, we want to do that, and we want to do this. We have to recognize it in the moment and say, all right, Lord, I'm fearful, but I'm not going to stay afraid. I'm not going to stay afraid. I'm going to work to find confidence in your word. I'm going to work to put my thoughts on what is true. I'm going to work. So again, it takes time. But again, our focus is on Jesus. Our focus is on Jesus, not the situation. It's on Jesus, not the situation. Let me say that one more time for some of you. It's not on the situation. It's on Jesus. Here's the situation. Here's Jesus. Here's the situation. Here's Jesus. And I love this. He goes, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Again, he had no idea what God was going to do, but he had faith that he would do. And notice that he said something very interesting here. He said, stand still. They weren't moving. <laughs> like, they weren't moving. They were pinned in. There was nothing. He was like, there was nowhere for them to go. So this standing still was a matter of emotionally and mentally settling. Like stand, like don't be afraid, chill. That's a better way to put it. Chill, stand still. And I'm telling you, some of us, and I know me, up here feels like it's never still. It's never still. Especially in times of difficulty. This is never still. It's, it's thinking, it's figuring, it's, it's, it's thinking, it's figuring, it's thinking, it's figuring. It's, it's, you know what I mean? It's like it, there's no stillness. And when you're not still, you can't hear, right? It's like, you know, when your, your kids, you know, have a temper tantrum, you know, they're not hearing you. They've, they've lost it, you know. They, they, they're, they're yelling, they're screaming, they're saying things, and you're trying to talk, and they're not listening because they can't hear. But often that's what's happening in our minds. We're so freaking out up here and just a, you know, a million miles a second up here, we can't hear. So he's like, don't be afraid, be still, chill. You're going to see in a second, God is going to show up. I don't know how, but he's going to do it. But I believe that God will. Could you just be still and stop, stop with what you're speaking, what you're thinking, what you're thinking, just stop, be still. This is how we begin to change our first response into that of a faith response, not a fear response. Look at 46, Psalm 46, 10. What does God say? Be still and know that I am God. God will repeat his principles. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes all we need is that. In the face of, of whatever it is that's causing you great fear and anxiety, and stress, and discouragement. Be still 
and know that I am God. Imagine him saying that to you. Just, Russ, be still. Know that I'm God. I, 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 have, I got this. I got this. I need you to trust that. I need you to trust that I am God and I can manage this and be sovereign through this. Because he says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exhausted, exalt, exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You see, God's like, I, I got this. <laughs> I'm over everything. My name will be glorified. My name will be worshiped. My name, every knee will bow at my name. Because I am the creator of all things. <laughs> I am God. Be still. I am God. Be still. This is what Moses was saying. Don't be afraid. Be still and see the salvation of the Lord. He is God. He can do anything. And he will deliver us from this situation. So please stand on that. Stand still, he said. Stand still. Like Stand still. And that's hard for us to do sometimes. <laughs> but see, when we're not still, it's hard to stand. When we have despair, it's hard to stand metaphorically. It's hard to feel strong. It's hard to feel like you have a ground underneath you and, 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 a, and, and a strong sense of, 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 of a base, right? Like, you know, like your, your base roots. Despair will rob you of that. Fear will tell you not to stand, but to retreat, right? Mentally, you're retreating, right? So fear will tell you, don't stand, run, back. You see, impatience will tell you to do something now. <laughs> you know, impatience often is driven by fear. And so stillness, it's a stillness of mind. It doesn't mean you're sitting in your room for 12 hours a day. It's a stillness of mind. You're not trying to take matters into your own hand. You're trusting. You're going about your day as best you can, but you're seeking the Lord. You're praying. You're meditating. You're trusting him for the timing. You're trusting him for the leading. You're doing what is in front of you. And it says, and it continues, for the the Egyptians you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Again, he's speaking in faith. He goes, the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Wow. This is a picture of what it means for our faith to grow and where the assurance comes from. To understand that God is always fighting for you, that God is always before you, that God is always working all things together for you, if you allow him to. He is for you. He is not against you. Moses had this confidence. Even again, I'll reiterate, he did not know what God was going to do. (laughs) Some of you just need to hear that God is for you. That God will fight for you. And he is fighting for you. And that you need to simply hold your peace. Stand still. Fear not. Know that he is God. This is how we begin to experience God's normal. God's normal doesn't fret. God's normal isn't consumed with anxiety and fear. 
God's normal isn't consumed with impatience and anger. God's normal never retreats. God's normal stays the course no matter what is in front of him. Because he can move mountains. He can move the sea, which, you know, is what he did. And so, let's look at James 1, verse 2. Same principle. So, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Makes a little more sense now, now that we've looked at that account, pulled out some principles, and now you're seeing the headspace in which James was in as he was pinning truth knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It's hard to be patient when you're fearful and discouraged. It's hard to be patient when the worst case scenario is is in your head and growing and growing and growing. But he's like, count it all joy because see what's happening is your faith is being grown. Your faith, see trials is putting to proof. That's what that word means. It's adversity, but it's putting to proof. The trials that you are in are putting to proof your, your faith. More importantly, it says testing. And that word tested means the proving of. That by which something is tried or proved. By implication, you're, you're testing its trustworthiness. You see, your faith is so valuable that God allows it to go through testing periods. It's not so you fail. It's to reveal the strength of it and the trustworthiness of your faith. I don't know about you, but I want my faith to be trustworthy. I don't want it to fall away as soon as I face any sort of difficulty. I want my faith to be as strong as possible so that I can respond with faith. But if I'm going through a trial, you see, what's happening is God is, is pressing me to reveal how strong it is. And if it shows itself to be weak in areas, then I have to stand still and grow. You see, this testing... The testing reveals God's heart because he wants your faith to be strong. Because if your faith is strong, your life is changed. You know, and it's, um, I was watching a documentary about the Mars rover and David Stillman, you may know a little bit about more about this than I do. <laughs> um, but what I found fascinating was how much they tested the parachute that the rover would use to land on Mars. Because that parachute was responsible for this billion dollar machine. The parachute. And because it, was, it mattered so much that the parachute worked. Because if the parachute didn't work, nothing would work. There would be no success. The parachute was tested and tested and tested because the type of atmosphere and the speed and everything else that it would have to endure, see, it, it, it had to be tested. It had to be trustworthy because it carried precious cargo. And our faith, it's not just our parachute, it's everything. But again, you see, something of value and importance has to be tested. It has to be found trustworthy, or you can't put your trust in it. And so our faith has to be tested, and the more strong it becomes, and if it's revealed itself to be strong, that's a great thing. If it reveals itself to be trustworthy, that's a great thing. But often trials are a way for our faith to actually become stronger. 
That's where we have to endure. You see, he's not allowing trials to break us. <laughs> he's not allowing trials like to break us and to ruin us. It's actually to break us out of ourselves, but for us to grow in him. See, that's the thing. And sometimes that doesn't feel good. But again, that's what the testing of the faith produces. It should produce more of God, more of your confidence in him, and less confidence in yourself. And that is a relief and a release. And that's why patience is needed. That's why patience is needed. Because it says, let patience have its perfect work, you see. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be what? Perfect and complete, lacking what? Nothing. Let patience have its perfect work. You see, trials don't necessarily produce patience. That's not a guarantee. Anybody? It's not a guarantee. He's saying, allow it. See, faith will produce patience. That's the byproduct. A strong faith will produce patience, meaning I'm not going to take matters into my own hand. I'm not going to get all filled with anxiety. I'm going to stand in the confidence and assurance of my God. And that means you have to be still, which takes patience. But we have a choice. Because if fear takes over, we can retreat. We can be full of despair. We could be thinking all sorts of things that lead us right back to where we used to be. He's like, no, no, stand still. But be patient. And sometimes the season may be a long season. Right? Janelle, I mean, you know, your season was a long season. She dealt with some horrible health issues. I mean, crippling. And it wasn't an overnight. I mean, how many? It was how long? From two years years of pain. Like, I can't get into all of it. 24 months. (laughs) In 15 hours. <laughs> but, but thank the Lord she was able to get a procedure that has just miraculously helped and proved like, like a lot. Patience tried. Yeah. We're not going to be perfect in it. But again, if we learn to stand still and learn to be patient, even in the midst of painful scenarios and situations, you see we become more and more complete in our faith. And so again, stand still, be patient because God is after your completion. Jesus is after your faith. He's demonstrating where there's cracks in it and he's like, we're gonna fix that. We're gonna create a sturdier faith, a more trustworthy faith so you won't be swayed by whatever the world brings your way, but you will stay strong and you have to have, like, faith needs to have its perfect, like, complete work. It's perfect work. So hopefully this makes, is this making sense? Okay, good. All right. <laughs> it's hard when we're not speaking to anybody. You're like, I hope, because a lot of times with facial expressions, you're like, either they're not getting it because it's like, or they're like, But let patience have its perfect work. Let patience have its perfect work. And I I use this um, 
analogy once on a live that we did on Facebook. But imagine if, like they said, um, Russ, if you could stand for three hours in this little tiny circle, we're going to give you like $100,000. You just have, but you have to stand for three hours. You can't stay, step outside of this circle. And at the end of that, you're going to receive the prize. Let's say I made it two hours and 59 minutes and then stepped out of the circle. You see, I wouldn't get the prize. That one minute can make a big difference. I can't pat myself on the back because I did it this long, but I can't do it anymore, okay? It's like, no, I need to let patience have its perfect work. I need to stay still as long as God's saying stay still because he knows what is on the other side of that patience. He knows what it is that he is doing so that we can break free and grow in him. And so sometimes, yes, seasons of of difficulty can be long, but stay still. Do not let fear dictate but let the truth of God dictate how you behave and how you maneuver through your days. And you'll begin to experience more of the normal of God. And it's a great thing to access. And in Romans 8.26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, sometimes things are so bad, you don't even know how to pray. (laughs) But yet this reveals sometimes you're just, even your your, your, your innermost, you're you're groaning, (laughs) right? You you, you know that feeling, you're just like, oh, that's how I'm feeling these days in this quarantine condition. (laughs) But he still knows. He still knows. And he goes, now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Wow. See, the spirit is always, always, always possessing the will of God. And the more we relinquish and the more we pray and the more we are still and the more we pursue it, you see, we're going to eventually become so much more aware of the will of God. And that's a first response that is so worth it because it produces life, not death. And it says, and we know, so now here's the context, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who the, to those who are the called according to his purpose. His purpose. See, God's purpose for the Israelites was deliverance and deliverance into the promised land. Moses knew that. He stood on that promise. He stood on God's declaration of what his purpose was. The Israelites did not. God's purpose for you never changes despite what it is you're going through. Never. No, he has this. He is with you. He understands. He will comfort you. He will give you peace. He will give you what is necessary to sustain you for the day. But don't retreat. Don't fall into despair. Don't become bitter. First response, first response. 
And then it says this in Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall you hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. I'm not reading this so you guys appreciate me. <laughs> who brings glad, good tidings, glad, glad tidings of good things. No, there's a bigger principle here. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, I can't talk. Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? This is what this all points to. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Basically, this is saying the spoken word of faith is how faith is built. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. And hearing the word of God is reading it for yourself. It's meditating on it. It's speaking it. So when you find yourself encountering a very difficult situation, one way to respond with faith is to declare truth. You need to hear it like out loud. You don't always need someone telling you it. You need to declare it for yourself. Moses was declaring it, not just for the people, but for himself, because he didn't know what God was going to do, but he was declaring the truth of God. He was declaring God's purpose, and that was to deliver Israel, and he is delivering you. He is going to work with you and walk you through whatever it is, because he is faithful, and he knows the plans that he has for you, and so that is how we do it. You proclaim the truth. You proclaim the truth. You proclaim the truth. You write the truth. You proclaim the truth. You pray. You see, it's a battle. It's a battle. And I can go on and on about this. I love this. But yeah, gird up your loins, man. Of your mind. Get away anything that would trip you up in your thoughts and focus your mind intently upon Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Amen. Amen. Whew. First response. Be interesting to see what we all discover about ourselves and how we can grow. But Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, again, that we have a place to go to find assurance and confidence that may not be seen, but we know it's real. And that is the essence of faith. Lord, I pray that uh, those that really needed to hear this, we all needed to hear it, Lord. But those that really have been needing endurance and feel, they have that feeling of retreat, but I pray that you stop them in their tracks, Lord. You create a stillness beyond their capability. That they would know that you are God, that your hand is upon them. Lord, we thank you that your word is power. And that as your word went forth, they were supposed to hear this. And Lord, and you will give them direction. But for now, they are to stand still and wait and see the salvation of the Lord. Lord, grow their confidence, Lord. May their spirit come alive with your truth. And Lord, for those that may be tuning in now that don't have this confidence because they don't have a relationship with you, I pray that you move upon their hearts now. Lord, that the burning that they've been feeling, Lord, the pull that they've been feeling would not end with just the pool, but that they would allow themselves to be brought into your presence and into relationship and that they wouldn't sever it as soon as this is over. And if you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would have you pray with me now. 
Because as faith comes by hearing, you know, hearing the word of God, you know, faith comes through a, a declaration. It's an acknowledgement. You're, you're out loud. You're declaring for yourself that you are placing your faith in Jesus. And there's something powerful about that. So pray with me, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my savior. I acknowledge that I need a savior because I am sinful. I acknowledge that I need forgiveness for my sins. I acknowledge that without forgiveness, I can't have you as an assurance because I am separated. Lord, I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for dying upon that cross for me. Lord Jesus, I give you my life today. I dedicate my life to following you. Lead me and guide me according to your will. Lord Jesus, I love you. I praise you. And I give my all to you. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, man, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's a new day. It's a new life. And if you did, we'd love to know. And and you can email us and let us know. And we would love to give you some encouragement and support in in your new walk and how to grow in that and how to respond in faith as you walk forward in life now. But you're in the care of God's hands right now. He is over you and he is with you because of the blood of Jesus. And that's an awesome thing. All right. Have a great day. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. That's russ, F-A-I-L-L-A-C-I.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.